This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hi again, everybody. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Good to be back in Studio B today on Airline Drive. Beautiful day at the headquarters of the Saints and the Pelicans. I'm Sean Kelly. Daniel Sallerson is alongside. Daniel, good morning. I know that you've been busy here today, and uh, I know it's a variety of reasons, isn't it? Yeah, my productivity has gone out the window already because March Madness has begun, and so I have one game on the TV, one on the iPad, and waiting for much more to get going here. Wow. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Pelicans lose last night at Miami. Unfortunately, see their winning streak come to an end. Daniel, it was one of those deals where the Pelicans seemingly all of a sudden couldn't score again in the final minutes of the game and lose to a very good, I think, Miami team at their place. I'm not surprised that Miami won, but after the game went back and forth like it did, you know, each team exchanged, what, 10 straight makes on either side. It just stopped. And yeah. I, it, was hard to, it was hard to figure out, and I think Coach was having a hard time figuring it out himself after the uh, – after the loss. Yeah, it was nice to see them score a bunch of points, which has been a struggle uh, since the Cousins trade. He had 112 last night. But like you said, at the beginning of the game, uh, they got cold. And during the middle of the game, they got cold as well. And But Miami was just hitting everything. I mean, there was so many shots like Wayne Ellington and Gordon Drogic, some threes that, I mean, nothing you can do about it. And that's what it was, 16 threes. If you make 16 threes, you're probably going to win the ball game. Yeah, I, I know, I know. Unfortunately, several other teams that we've been watching did win last night, and Denver plays tonight. And by the way, Denver plays the Clippers, and I thought to myself, wow, okay, this is good. Um, a tough opponent for the Nuggets, but now uh, Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan both are not playing for Los Angeles uh, in the game tonight at Denver. How about that, Daniel? Why, why does it have to be tonight against it's, Denver? I bet you it's because of the back-to-back that they played last night and uh, know someone from the Clippers. They didn't get in locally until, I think, almost 4 o'clock in the morning. And so maybe this is just a scheduled rest for them, knowing that they played last night and that this was a good opportunity for them to get some rest. So, of course, though, it doesn't help our favor. And you look at Portland, who lost to us by 23 uh, on Wednesday night or Monday, Tuesday night, excuse me. And then they go out and beat San Antonio yesterday. So it's just been it's been a weird week already. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, On the football side, by the way, um, I haven't seen him around the facility today. I don't plan on running into Malcolm Butler today. Uh, so I know some of you are wondering perhaps if he's right outside Studio B. He is not. <laughs> there are many reports, though, that say uh, that Malcolm Butler is visiting today uh, and was in town last night as well. Uh, the uh, free agent, well, not free agent, restricted free agent, basically, defensive back, who apparently is ready to leave New England, and, and the Saints are interested. And, uh, and there's that, that news today that I'm sure will, I guess, will trickle out later on. Uh, as far as how the visit went and everything else. Speaking, though, of newest Saints and uh, free agent signings, uh, I think I mentioned yesterday that Alex Ofor has already been to Studio B since signing a free agent contract with the New Orleans Saints. We're going to share that interview with you today as Okafor transitions from the Arizona Cardinals to the New Orleans Saints and looks to help as a pass rusher from the outside linebacker position. Daniel went in Studio B with us the other day. I, I just found him to be... Uh, extremely charming and engaging, and, and I, I enjoyed the visit very much. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to share that with the folks today. And I also thought he was a basketball player was how, how he was built. He is just a mammoth of an athlete. And, uh, yeah, he, he was very nice and very welcoming, and uh, I look forward to seeing what he can do. I mean, he had some injuries last year, but before that, he's had some pretty solid seasons with Arizona. So I think he could be a nice contributor to this team. 
Yeah, Alex Okafor today, and then television and radio broadcaster for the Houston Rockets, Craig Ackerman, will be still by here in just a few moments. The Pelicans start a homestand tomorrow against Houston uh, at the Smoothie King Center. There still are some tickets available for that game. It is going to be a marquee matchup uh, because not only is it a division game, uh, but Houston is really, they're really exciting to watch, and they could very well bring the MVP to town tomorrow night in James Harden. And so Craig Ackerman will stop by and help us preview that. All right, back to March Madness here, Daniel. Um, did you fill out a bracket? I, I, I'm assuming you did. Of course I did. But I, I'm not one of those that fills out more than one. I just can't do all the different scenarios. I can't root for one team in one bracket and another in my other bracket. So I just do one. I might join a bunch of groups, but I only do one bracket. So I did fill one out. Since I haven't done this in a couple of years, and now the tournament has changed a little bit, did you have to have your bracket in before the first four games, you know, the, the Tuesday-Wednesday matchups, or were you able to wait until today, the old-fashioned way, prior to 11 a.m. Central, to submit your bracket? You can do the old-fashioned way. You can wait for those games to be done. For the 16-seed games, you really don't wait. You can start You can start picking on on Monday and just have to wait for those results if you want to pick an 11 seed or a 16 seed to advance. But um, I waited till the finalize it this morning. I just kind of watched us playing games to see if any of those teams were worth advancing to another round. Uh, but yeah, I filled it out this morning or finalized it this morning, made a couple tweaks and now there's nothing I can do about it. Okay. All right. Sit back and pray. Uh, who's, who is, who is in your final four? I have UNC Duke, Arizona and Kansas. Oh wow! Okay, with a right. uh, with a uh, something that hasn't happened before in a championship game, a Duke UNC championship, which I think would be great for the college basketball tournament. I can't believe we haven't yep. seen that in years, but who knows? That'd be the fourth time they would play each other this year. By the way, I think everyone likes a little Duke UNC rivalry, no matter how many times they play. There's always something okay. special about it. I will say this again: I haven't watched nearly as much as I should have college basketball wise. There's something very intriguing to me about Arizona. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, and keep in mind, if they make the Final Four, the Final Four is in Phoenix this year. So it's practically going to be a home game for them if they make the Final Four. So we have to watch out for that as well. Good point. Now, of course, you and I both know that that'll probably be half of your Final Four will be scrapped here in the first two weeks, right? Some of it in the first day. Hopefully that's not the case. As Last year it was Michigan State who lost um, to a 15-seed Middle Tennessee State. I did not have Michigan State going that far but, yeah, it just takes one to bust brackets on the first day, so I'm hoping to avoid that early on. And right now the first two games are 5-12 matchups, so those are where the brackets bust uh, the most. Well, of course CBS is going to lead off with that, there's mm -hmm. no doubt. Absolutely. Um, I don't know whether I want Notre Dame or Princeton to win, but at the end of the day, uh, all the players probably involved in that Notre Dame-Princeton game will end up becoming uh, highly successful in some form or fashion. Uh, having a look at both of those schools. Absolutely. I picked Notre <laughs> Dame to win. So, uh, but yeah, I'm very jealous of uh, those two schools as far as getting a degree from there. So I would absolutely, they're going to be just fine no matter what happens today. All right. Yes. All right. We'll be tracking all that today as well. Uh, as I know you all will be so productive at work, not only because of the black and blue report uh, podcast, but because of our course, NCAA March Madness. All right, let's get to our two great conversations. Uh, still to come a bit later, Craig Ackerman from the Houston Rockets. But up next, after our first break, we'll uh, introduce you to new Saints linebacker, outside linebacker, Alex Okafor. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. 
Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. The future is bright for your New Orleans Pelicans with the addition of all-star DeMarcus Cousins along with Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday. The time is now to become a Pelican season ticket holder. Those locking in their seats by Friday, March 31st will take advantage of the price freeze and also receive a food and beverage gift card worth up to $600. Call 504-525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today and win the night. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes, cancer patients come who were told they were out of options. But Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things, like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-AUCTIONER or visit auctioner.org. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Well, we're pleased to welcome in another new New Orleans Saint. We've been we've been visiting with several here over the last few days, and and today we welcome in linebacker Alex Okafor, who joins us now from the Arizona Cardinals. First of all, welcome, sir. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. great to have you. Congratulations. I know it's exciting, isn't it? It's got to right. be. It's absolutely exciting. I'm I'm excited about the opportunity. I'm excited to be a part of this organization and. Uh, I'm ready to get the ball rolling. I saw you over in the cafeteria earlier, right. and uh, and I didn't recognize you at first. Mm-hmm. But all I could think was, huh, I wonder if the basketball team is working out somebody <laughs> new. You have that build. Right. And I know you've gotten that before from other people, right. too. No, absolutely. You, whether I'm in an airport or a restaurant, if they don't recognize me immediately, they come up to me and they're like, you have to play basketball or something. I've never gotten anybody come up to me and been like, you're a football player. No. I guess, like you said, I got the frame as a, as a hooper, but, you know. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a ball player. I know. 6'4", six, 6'5", six, thereabouts. Yep, just about. 260-ish. Yep. Mm-hmm. See? Yep, there you go. Okay. Um, four years at Arizona, originally mm-hmm. from Texas, and a guy who will put pressure on the quarterback, right. which I know Saints fans are really excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some help needed on that side of the ball. Right. Is that one of the reasons why you decided to join the Saints? Absolutely. Um, first of all, you know, you got to look at the Saints, and you know you got Drew Brees, and you got Sean Payton. You got those two guys. You're always going to be able to compete, and you're always close. So that that's a big that was a big deal for me, and also the opportunity more than anything. Like you said, they need some uh, help, especially at the defensive end position. And uh, I think I, I know I can be that guy. You're, so, you're, I guess you're listed as a linebacker, right? I right. Mean, okay, but are mm-hmm. you kind of a hand-in-the-dirt guy, or do you like to play upright and then go after it? Man, um, I'm, I think I'm most comfortable hand-in-the-dirt, um, but I've played both. Uh, out of Texas, I had my hand-in-the-dirt full-time. Uh, went to Arizona, was there for four years, and made the transition to an outside linebacker. But even then, you know, in this league, you got to go a lot of four downs. So I'm very familiar with that, and uh, – 
I do well at it. Yeah. Alex Okafor, I think, was a fourth-round pick uh, out of the University of Texas. I right. want to say, didn't you and Kenny Vaccaro play ball together? Yeah, we played we played with each other for four years. Okay, so there'll be some familiarity there. Right, right, Have you right. talked to Kenny about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, Absolutely. We, Kenny's my guy. That's my dog. So uh, we talk on the reg- on the regular, and uh, we kind of just been cooking this thing up. So we got, it, we got a done deal now, and we're both excited. Two years ago, you had an unbelievable season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some injuries. I right. know that. I, I have to ask you, how in the heck did you play this mm-hmm. past year with a torn bicep? Well, uh, surprisingly, I've had the same injury on the other arm my uh, my rookie year, and uh, so I just kind of knew what the what the pain felt like and the uh, the familiar the familiarity with it, and I knew the details about the injury. And I'm like, you know what? If I get past that that pain, you know that pain tolerance in my head, I can out there, I can go out there and go. And uh, that's what happened. I missed about a week and a half of practice, put a brace on it, and like once I get comfortable, I can go. Because the way the injury works, the worst has happened. It can't get any worse. Yeah. So it's just a matter of pain tolerance. Well, that's called toughness is what it's called. Okay. All right, fair <laughs> enough. Look, this, as I mentioned, the sack numbers were great two years ago. Mm-hmm. Those numbers not as good. But I will say this, in just kind of looking at different defensive guys around the league, you're mm-hmm. always in the conversation for mm-hmm. – what many would consider pressuring the quarterback. Mm-hmm. In your eyes, is there a difference between, I guess, a sack number as opposed to, say, percentage of times that you're actually pressuring your quarterback? Mm-hmm. How do you evaluate that? Yeah, so the the sack is the actual stat, but uh, anybody in football knows that the, the most important thing is affecting the quarterback. And uh, that's what you look at when you watch film. And whether that's getting him off his spot, whether that's QB hits, obviously sacks as well. But uh, just affecting the quarterback is what you know most guys look for, and I think I know I do that pretty well. And why do you do it so well? What would you say mm-hmm. is what you know what we'll see on the field for the Saints right. in that role? I just have a lot of versatility, man. I've been in a couple different schemes. They put me across pretty much the whole D line out here, out there in Arizona, and uh, I've had success rushing from every position across the D line. You'd think Arizona was in the same division as the Saints. It seems like they've played each other every year for the last several <laughs> right, years. Right. So I guess there's some familiarity here mm-hmm. with your new team. Right. In what way? Um. Just uh, first of all, like I know the personnel. Like I said, Kenny's one of my good, well, is my best friend, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, he, we always talk about our teams together. And then, like you said, we've played each other the past three years, and uh, you just get familiar with that offense. And every time you play the Saints. You know they're going to put up points, <laughs> so you got to be prepared going into that game week. You know there's definitely preparation on. There's added pressure to the opposing team, knowing that, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna light you up, and you got to do something to stop it. So. What did What did Dennis Allen and what did Sean Payton <laughs> say to you or ask of you during mm-hmm. this process? Uh, well, they just they let me know that there's an opportunity on that D line, um, and everybody knows that. Everybody knows they need some 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 help up front. They got and the thing about it is we're so close. We're so close. They have great, talented players on that line. They just need to shore up another position on that line, and that's where my opportunity comes into play. You have a what? Cam Jordan at the other end, right? Right, absolutely. <laughs> and mm-hmm. now A.J. Klein will be in right. that mix with you guys. Right. It, it, when you think about, I guess, defense in today's NFL, doesn't every conversation always start with pressuring the quarterback now in this league? It's one of the keys. How does that help, then, the guys? be? You know, we always talk about the relationship mm-hmm. uh, between pressure up front, Good coverage in the back. Mm-hmm. You know, your best friends with Kenny Vaccaro. Mm-hmm. What's what? Where can they help you, and how do you best help them? Help fans understand that, I guess. Uh, well, I mean, if you look at every great defense in you know the past ten years or so, you look at it, and they all have great defensive lines. That's the one constant is they have a great defensive line, and that's where it all starts because you got to stop the run, 
And if you can't stop the run, it doesn't matter. The teams are not going to throw on you. They're just going to run it right down your throat. And then once they are start throwing it, you got to be able to affect the quarterback and get him off his spot. And it makes it so much easier for the whole defense to flow and click when you can do that. All right. You've got family in Texas. I yep. know that. Right. Um, where in the heck is Pflugerville High School? <laughs> Pflugerville is a small suburb right outside Austin. It's about 20 minutes north outside Austin. Okay. Yeah. So it's basically been swallowed up by Austin. Pretty point. much. It's, it's considered Austin. <laughs> it is. It's amazing how that whole market has grown like I'm that. Tell it's huge now. When you play high school football at the level mm -hmm. that you did in the state that you did, right? Um, does that lean to disappointment down the road as far as what you play, whether it be at UT <laughs> or anywhere else? It just seems like mm -hmm. you guys are so well prepared just because of the heightened sense mm -hmm. of high school football in Texas. I was about to say, no disappointment, just like you like you touched on just preparing. Yeah. Uh, football is a religion out there in Texas, and you take that with you your whole life. You just love playing this game. Are you uh, are you carrying the Texas flag proudly? Because I know this about the Saints locker room down the mm -hmm. hall. There's a lot of talk that goes on mm -hmm. amongst the fellas about where right. they played their college football. Right, right. You're going to have to jump into that conversation. Man, I'm going to always be a proud Longhorn. I admit we're struggling right now, <laughs> but I'm telling you, we're close. We're a lot closer than people think. And, uh, you know, once we get out that, once we get out the dog hole, Trust me, I'll be rocking it proudly like I am now. Have you spent any time in New Orleans yet? Uh, I used to come out here as a kid, surprisingly. my uh, Both of my uh, parents, they actually met at Grambling. So uh, I'm actually pretty familiar with the Louisiana area. You've done the whole Bayou Classic thing. I have. I've done, I've done that experience. What's that tradition mean to, you know, I think we hear more probably from the Southern University fans because it's just up the road in Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. From the Grambling side, what did, what did you learn over the years about that rivalry, that weekend, what it means in New Orleans? Uh, you know, it's just uh, it's a culture out there and it's tradition, and they take it seriously, man. And uh, not just the football game, but just the whole event is just, you know, it's fun. It's, it's an experience that I think everybody should experience. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, obviously, Grambling State, you know, they think they run that, uh, that uh, rivalry, and uh, they'll easily tell you that. On and off the field. Right. Absolutely. Oh, yes. What, what did your family say? Um, to the fact that now you'll be playing your home football games mm -hmm. in that very building. Oh, absolutely. They, you know they're excited. You know they're excited, not just coming back to Louisiana for them, but also just being so close to home. Um, it's an easy trip, easy transition back and forth. So uh, I think they're just as excited as I am to be out here. Well, again, congratulations. I know mm -hmm. it's an exciting time, but it's also kind of a nerve-wracking time, the right. whole free agency thing. Mm -hmm. So now that this is out of the way, mm -hmm. what's next for you here in the coming weeks and months? Man, I've, I've been working out already, but now that you know, I know where I'm going to be playing, now I can put that vision intact and uh, you know, just prepare myself to make an immediate impact. All right. Welcome to the Houdat Nation. <laughs> Thank you. They're ready for you. I'm ready, too. You're at a dinner party. You're seated next to a loudmouth. Plus, there's no bread. Why is there no bread? Myrtle the family chow chow seems very interested in you, but you're allergic to Myrtle and you left your inhaler at home. But it doesn't have to be this way. Win the night with the New Orleans Pelicans facing off against the Houston Rockets Friday, March 17th. Bring your whole clan and celebrate St. Patrick's Day with the Pels. Visit pelicans.com for tickets and win the night. Are you ready for a new challenge? Set your goal and go for it with the Smoothie King Change a Meal Challenge. Just change one meal a day with over 20 delicious meal replacement smoothies, all under 400 calories per 20-ounce cup, and sip your way to your goal weight. With flavors like pineapple mango, strawberry blueberry, dark chocolate banana, and more, it's easier than ever to reach for your goal. Take the Change a Meal Challenge, only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Take the challenge as part of a low-calorie diet and daily exercise program. Weight loss depends on individual needs. 
Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. All right, welcome back to Black and Blue Report. The Pelicans begin a homestand tomorrow night against the Houston Rockets, uh, a red-hot team. They've won three straight. They're pretty much locked into the three-seed now Western Conference. They have had a phenomenal year, and they've worked over the Pelicans pretty darn good in previous meetings already. Uh, kind, enough to, kind enough to join us to help preview tomorrow night's game. Also, basically, just give us the Rockets story, because it's pretty phenomenal. This television and radio broadcast for the Houston Rockets, Craig Acker. Craig, welcome back. Appreciate you doing this for us today. Hey, anytime, Sean. Thanks for having me on. I do appreciate it. Ho-hum, the Rockets win again, um, and James Harden has a triple-double, and they smash the Lakers by 39. Uh, this is this this drum beat's pretty fun for you guys, I would imagine. Yeah, and, you know, honestly, last night, I'm not, not trying to, to brag about it. Well, not that I have anything to do with it either way, but they did not play. Quite honestly, I thought they played terribly in the middle two quarters last night. I mean, they had all kinds of turnovers. They lost their focus after they get up 19 at about midway through the second quarter. Um, it was an eight-point game midway through the – the third, and then they regained their focus and just blew the Lakers, you know, out of the building. Um, and James Yefsi did have a, a triple-double last night, also had nine turnovers as well. Um, and uh, that's, I think that's how, how good this team uh, can be. Now, I think, you know, you have to throw a little bit of caution to the wind that they were playing the Lakers last night, and I thought L.A.'s effort uh, was really bad. Uh, but the Rockets crushed them and picked up another win, and uh, the beat goes on. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, I, let me, let's start with that James Harden turnover thing. I, I think some people pick on the turnover numbers, but aren't the number of possessions like through the roof? So therefore, numbers of turnovers should be also looked at in the same lens? Yes. Um, in fact, the Rockets up until last night when they had some turnover issues were third in the league in turnover percentage over the previous six weeks since February turnover the 1st. So they had cleaned up a lot of their turnover problems significantly despite the fact that James's individual turnover numbers we're up. Yes, I think in this day and age in the NBA, um, for most, maybe not just hardcore fans, but maybe even you know, sort of reaching down into the casual NBA fan, there is so much data available, and the league is so data-driven that uh, if you take an objective look at how teams play and individuals play, if you do it based on the amount of possessions, basically, the, the per 100 possession thing in terms of offensive rating, defensive ratings, turnover percentages, assist percentage, all that, I think those are more accurate reflections um, as to how effective or ineffective a team and or individual player is. Now, would we all like to see James's turnover numbers come down a little bit? I think that goes without saying. But I don't think the Rockets are who they are, and James is ultimately who he is if he doesn't take some of the risks that he does. He's one of the league's most electrifying passers, and I don't think anybody would ultimately want to try to rein him in just to drop his turnover numbers down by a game, by one no, per game, if you, know, if you know what I'm getting to. No, uh, look, and, and winning is the ultimate stat. So, look, they're winning. So let's not, let's not pick apart things too much here. It is, though, Craig, an interesting conversation uh, right now that I keep having over and over again with folks about the MVP race. And, and to me, it's a two-horse race at the moment here with Harden and Westbrook. And in one camp, you know, they'll look at Harden and what he's been able to do with the Rockets. Uh, and obviously, you know, what, what, you know, as you just mentioned, his, his multifaceted abilities on the floor. And then the other the argument is folks are looking at Russell Westbrook right now and saying, look, if this guy averages a triple-double for the season for the first time in however many decades now, how do you deny that? So, I love the fact that we have such a compelling argument on both sides. I would imagine you're a little 
biased or uh, a little yeah, more, much. I guess, subjective yeah. <laughs> to, you know, to to James Harden's case. But what would you say to that conversation? Well, look, Russell Westbrook is having a phenomenal year. But I, I, when Oscar Robertson averaged the triple-double, I don't think he was the MVP of the NBA. And I don't think an MVP has ever been given out for a guy on a team that finished lower than fourth in their conference. And I don't think Oklahoma City is going to finish higher than fourth in the West this year. So I think that that's that argument against him. Uh, I don't buy the argument that if Russell Westbrook dips, you know, point one below, you know, the assist numbers in terms of averaging a triple double of the season, he's not worthy. I mean, he's again, uh, he's having a great season, but I think what James Harden has done for the team uh, this season, he's third in the league in scoring He's first in the league in assists. between his assist and his scoring. He creates, you know, um, you know, 60 points a game, which is ridiculous. I think he's on track to have the best overall offensive season in the history of the league. Um, now, granted, James is not a great defensive player, but I think he's played level of defense that he did a couple of seasons ago where he finished 10th to Steph Curry in the MVP voting. Uh, and again, watching this guy every single night, there is no question about it. He raises, significantly raises the level of play of everyone else around him guys like Aaron Gordon and Ryan Anderson and everybody else on the roster Clint Capella and then you can go on and on and on all of these guys have had really good seasons I think do in part because of James Harden's ability to draw so much attention and his willingness to share the ball and give these guys shots in areas they're comfortable getting them in and so I think that says a lot about how valuable that James is ultimately to the team and to the team's success. Good, good points all the way through. What, what else about the Houston story here, Craig? I mean, obviously, I look at the record, and, I, and you just mentioned some of the key players, whatnot. But whether it be the culture that Mike D'Antoni's brought with him, or some defensive improvement, maybe since the last time we saw you, what do you think is the most underreported aspect of of this fascinating turnaround and push here by Houston? Well, you know, the Rockets believe as an organization from top to bottom, very strongly in their style of play. Um, and they, they, have, they have believed that for a decade. Uh, and I think for the first time since Daryl Morey was hired, again, from top to bottom, including the way the roster was ultimately constructed this go-around, they have a team, they have a lead superstar in James Harden, they have a head coach and coaching staff that – believes and ultimately executes the way that they want to play unlike any team has ever done before in NBA history. Mike D'Antoni had Graves in Phoenix, and he's talked about the fact that he thought about in those days, we, maybe we should be taking 43s a game, but even he pulled back a little bit on that because he thought it might be a little bit crazy. But now with this group, his philosophy meshes perfectly with Daryl's, which in turn meshes perfectly with James Harden and the rest of the team. They have multiple threats from beyond the arc. And to me, that's the biggest story of the season, that they believe so heavily in the way they play and are executing as such that um, they're, they're either going to win big or they're going to end up not achieving their goals. But they're, they're going to go down the way that they want to play. The magic number for the Rockets this season is when they hit 15 threes. And again, they're shattering every three-point record imaginable if they hit 15 or more threes in a game it's over 
They're 32 and four this season when they hit 15 or more threes. So they're going to continue to shoot them. They're going to shoot them 40, 50 times. And some nights when they're really cold, as they've been five times this year, 0 and 5 when they don't hit double digits and threes. But if they hit 15, it's over. They're going to win. And so they believe that if they continue to shoot threes and they have a ton of guys on the roster who are at near or above 40% from three, if they get to 15, they're going to win. And they, can believe, they just believe that they can overwhelm you with this style of play. And I think it puts so much pressure on opposing teams to try to match up with this style of play, which a lot of teams as of yet just aren't comfortable doing. And I think that's the biggest story of this season from top to bottom, from philosophy from GM to coach and players. They believe in this style of play, and every single night they at it, and they will play this way whether you like it or not. If they execute and they do what they're supposed to do, more times than not they're going to come away victorious. Okay. All right, let's flip it, Craig. Uh, of, of what do you have concern, I guess, over at least the final month of the season or what could lie ahead in the playoffs? Well, they, they, have, they have games where they're cold. I mean, they're, like I said, they're 0-5 when they, when, they, when they make less than 10 threes. So they haven't won a game this year. And so there are certain teams out there, i.e. Utah, that really defend the arc well and give the Rockets all kinds of problems. Um, if they if they go through a collective slump, and, and, and again, the, the, with the way they play, there's a lot of variance in how things can take place, you know, within games. If they're hot, I mean, they, they can literally just snow you under a blizzard of threes. I mean, they, they really can. And they can, they can score with anybody in the league, and that includes a fully healthy Golden State team. I mean, if Golden State scores 130, the Rockets are confident they can score 135 with the way they play. Uh, and, there are, and, again, there aren't many teams out there who can say they can do that. So, But if they go through a collective cold stretch, which we have seen from time to time this season, the, the, the worry is that if they're not hitting their shots, then they're not going to get out of a playoff series. And even though they're probably more than likely going to finish third, whoever they play as a sixth seed, whether that's Oklahoma City or, or even the Clippers who are stumbling or perhaps maybe even Memphis, if they go through – a stretch in a series where they go a couple of games where they're just flat out ice cold from three and they lose two and get behind the eight ball that they could be bounced out of a playoff series early. To me, that's the biggest concern. But I think overall with rest and you don't play back-to-backs and you don't have games crammed up with one another in playoff series, with rest, this team has proven that that's that's really not going to happen. But to me, that's, that's the biggest concern. They have a couple of games in the playoff series, particularly in the first round, where they're going to be favored to win, where they don't shoot the ball well, and then they get themselves down in a hole, and then the pressure mounts, and then it could be anybody's game at that point. But, uh, again, uh, more times than not in the playoffs, you're, you're not going to have stretches where guys are exhausted and games are crammed up, and, and so fatigue really shouldn't be a factor. All right. Television and radio broadcast for the Houston Rockets. Craig Ackerman with us. Rockets in town tomorrow night to begin a homestand with the Pelicans. Interestingly enough, and i got to look to see what's going on in New Orleans this weekend, but there are no hotel rooms uh, in New Orleans for the Rockets to stay, yep. so they are going to stay in Baton Rouge tonight prior to tomorrow's game. First of all, Craig, that's interesting enough, but then I'm, I'm hoping you'll provide something interesting about tomorrow night's matchup, one that has been so heavily lopsided here this season between the Rockets and the Pelicans. Well, I, the first matchup, you know, the Rockets, asked, you know, they, they set the NBA record for both made threes and attempted threes. Um, and I think in the second matchup, they got up 50-plus as well, which is the first game of boogie for you guys and Lou Williams for the Rockets. And the Rockets simply overwhelmed 
the Pelicans. Look, it, it's one of those situations where if you can't score with the Rockets, you can't spread the floor with the Rockets, and they're hitting their shots, they're just going to overwhelm you. And I think it's, it's a continued work in progress with Cousins and Davis and the spacing issues that those two guys have had and, and the lack of offensive production in terms of efficiency with those two guys uh, on the floor. And, 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 um, and, and the Rockets just going to play their game. And I don't think New Orleans has the shooting as of right now to compete with the Rockets in that regard. Um, and, you know, I think that's the big reason why the Rockets have been able to overwhelm New Orleans this season is because, it, and I think New Orleans is, has been over the last couple of years one of the better defending teams in terms of three-point shots, but the Rockets, they're just, they're going to get, they're going to get up their shots. And if they're, if they're hitting them and you're not closing out hard on them, then, um, you know, they're, they're going to overwhelm you, which they've done twice. And, um, I expect the, the, the same sort of game plan as we've seen all year long uh, tomorrow night. I think in order for New Orleans to win, they're going to have to have huge games from both Davis and Cousins. I mean, Cousins has played really well against the Rockets this year when he was with Sacramento. Um, but, uh, you know, and those two guys are, are really, really talented players. But the Rockets style of play is, is something that I think puts a ton of pressure on a New Orleans team that's still trying to figure things out. So, yeah, um, you know, I don't expect the Rockets to come out with another blowout win. Uh, but if they're hitting their shots, I just don't see any way the Pelicans can keep up with them offensively. I, I, I totally, I totally get it. It's two contrasting styles. By the way, how are uh, how are old friends Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson doing? Uh, they're doing great. I mean, uh, Ryan took a shot in the mouth last night from Julius Randle and and uh, didn't have a particularly uh, good game. But his value to this team is more than just making shots. You know, the term gravity has been thrown around the league the last couple of years, and his ability to stretch the floor and teams having to respect that opens up so much else for everybody else, including James Harden with the drives and the lobs uh, centers. He's been terrific. Uh, Eric Gorin's going through a little of a, a shooting slump over here over the last handful of games, but he's been amazing as well. Both guys have been, you know, knock on wood, uh, as healthy as they've been in the last uh, handful of, of seasons, and, and they've been terrific additions. I don't think anybody has ever debated their talent level. They're both really good players. It's whether or not they could stay healthy which unfortunately for you guys in New Orleans was not the case, but they have been uh, this season, and hopefully they continue to remain healthy. And if they do, then they're going to they're gonna give the Rockets uh, what they need, floor spacing, uh, three-point shooting, in the case of Eric Gore, and a combo guard to give James Harden a rest when he's on the bench along with Lou Williams. And I think the Rockets now have the most dangerous bench in the league with those two guys. Fair enough. Yeah, I think that's uh, also a little bit overlooked as well uh, during this great story. Uh, Craig, as always, I appreciate it. This was an extended visit, and I know you're a busy man. And uh, it means a lot, especially with the fact that not only will the Pelicans and Rockets play tomorrow night, but then we'll see you over in Houston in just about a week's time. So this is a good prep for us, and I appreciate it very much. Enjoy Baton Rouge, by the way. Well, I, I will, and uh, please tell the uh, King Cake baby to stay as far away from me as possible. It's, I think you're safe. We're past that time of year, but I will put the word out just in case. Good. I appreciate <laughs> that. Looking forward to yes. seeing you guys uh, tomorrow night. Greg Ackerman with the Houston Rockets. More in a moment. is bright for your New Orleans Pelicans with the addition of all-star DeMarcus Cousins along with Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday. The time is now to become a Pelican season ticket holder. Those locking in their seats by Friday, March 31st will take advantage of the price freeze and also receive a food and beverage gift card worth up to $600. Call 504-525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today and win the night. 
We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup. The hearty way to fuel your game. And the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. Big thanks to our guests today on the Black and Blue Report, Alex Okafor and Craig Ackerman. And uh, Craig Ackerman, I did mention that the Rockets are staying in Baton Rouge tonight. Uh, and then they are getting a police escort from Baton Rouge to New Orleans tomorrow for the ball game against the Pelicans. I don't, I'm trying to think if that's happened before. I know teams have stayed in Metairie. Uh, over time, but I don't think anybody in a regular season game has had to stay out in Baton Rouge. Uh, this is a first. Anyway, Pelicans and Rockets tomorrow night. There's a home game on Sunday as well. We'll talk more about that on tomorrow's Black and Blue Report. Some of what we'll talk about tonight on the Alvin Gentry Show is this homestand, the importance of it. And Daniel, I know you're all set to host. Are we at our normal time tonight for the Alvin Gentry Show? We are 7 to 8 on News Talk 99.5 WRNO. We have a great show lined up for you. A lot of uh, good national guests and uh, if you missed the Craig Ackerman interview on here, which you probably are not if you are already tuning into this, but uh, we'll play some of that again tonight. We'll also hear from Rachel Nichols, who I talked to yesterday afternoon before she headed to Salt Lake City to watch her Northwestern Wildcats play, but uh, a great conversation with her. We'll play some of that as well. And, of course, you chatted with Tim Legler from the NBA on ESPN earlier this week, and we'll play some of that for you. So a lot of national perspective on the Pelicans, and, of course, we look forward to your conversation with head coach Alvin Gentry. Yeah, I, I think that you'll like. Uh, Coach and I are going to talk a little March Madness ourselves tonight as he looks back on 1988 and the Kansas Jayhawks when he was a member of that coaching staff that won it all over Oklahoma. So uh, there's some interesting things he has to say about that tournament and what uh, still remains with him from uh, a, such a winning uh, uh, campaign so many years ago. So I think that you'll enjoy that. Daniel, enjoy the madness today. I hope your bracket stays intact, my I, friend. I hope so, too, and uh, hopefully I'll get all these shows out on time just because I'm paying attention mostly to these games. Fair enough. The <laughs> Black and Blue Report, yours weekdays on a variety of outlets, including iTunes, the TuneIn app, NewOrleansSaints.com, Pelicans.com, and, of course, on your mobile device if you have the Pelicans app or the Saints app. Uh, tomorrow's show, as Daniel mentioned, Rachel Nichols on the Alvin Gentry Show tonight and on tomorrow's Black and Blue Report. I think Ted Ginn Jr. is also a part of our program tomorrow, new Saints wide receiver, and we'll hope that you'll join us all from Studio B tomorrow for the podcast uh, specifically designed for you, the fans of the Saints and the Pelicans. That'll do it for us on this Thursday. Enjoy the basketball, everyone, and uh, the weather, too. It's going to look a little better. I think that spring's going to re-arrive here in New Orleans uh, over the next uh, two to three days. So with that, for Daniel Salerson, I'm Sean Kelly. So long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies. A better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.